0: Hello, my name is Joe. Welcome to the Joe Martino Show. Today I want to talk to you about grief. I want to talk to you about pain. I want to talk to you about how do we process negative emotions. Uh, When this episode goes live, it will be one day, one year plus one day that a very dear friend of our family died at 30 years old, five months after she was married. I want to talk to you about those feelings because I know our family isn't the only one that's grieving. I know that many people are grieving. I know that many of you are hurting. I know that many of you are struggling with different feelings, and you're not sure how to process them. So let's kick it off, and let's talk about that. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Okay, I want to talk to you about something that nobody wants to talk about, grief. Grief and pain. Let's just talk about that. April second, 2018. I was at the gym. I was walking out to my truck from the gym. It was a parked. I was parked all the way across the parking lot, so I probably had about a 400 yard walk, maybe 500 yards. And my wife uh, sent me a text that said Marissa's passed, and that's painful. And it was a loss. My children felt it. Uh, she was just integrated into our family. I feel it just sitting here talking to you. Uh, You don't know this, but I've recorded exactly one minute, 44 seconds of audio. And I've been at this for quite a while, stopping, highlighting, deleting, editing, because it's just a kind of a jumbled mess coming out. Her family, five months earlier, we sat at a church here locally and we watched her walk down the aisle we watched her say, I do. We watched her husband, Jason, say, I do. Uh, the, what's strange to me, of course, is the things that you remember that are not what you would normally consider, right? So I don't. I remember her walking down the aisle. I remember her saying her vows. I remember Jason standing there. I can kind of remember what he was wearing. I remember what she looked like in her dress. But I remember her dad. I remember walking out, seeing her dad, seeing this giant smile on his face. Of course, little did any of us know that within just five short months, 150 days, she would no longer be with us, and now it's been a year. This June will be 17 years since my mom passed, and I can honestly tell you there probably isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about her. 17 years later, 16 and almost you know, 17, I still think, oh, I should call mom and tell her that. And then oh, I can't. So what do we do with grief? Grief is a universal language. We all know grief. We recognize grief. We see it. And it runs in the dark places of our heart that we don't like to talk about. Fear. We talk about fear a little bit more now. We talk about anxiety, although we don't always do a very good job of defining that. But what do we do with grief when it's just ripping at your heart? And I just, I sat with a friend last week who his wife is wanting to divorce him. Grief. I sat with friends whose family member lost a baby. Grief. What do we do with grief when it's just chewing and gnawing at you? So I want to know, what have you done? Email me, joemartino.com forward slash podcast. Uh, contact me, click on that tab and send me, a, send me an email. Tell me, what have you done? How have you processed grief? Here's something that I didn't know that I learned in preparation for this episode. Did you know that the word bereavement literally means to be deprived by death? In other words, when we're grieving, when we're processing uh, a bereavement, we're literally processing being deprived of, of a loved one by death. I didn't know that that's what it meant. And and there are a number of emotions that are associated with grief. First of all, there's denial, which is like, wait, Joe, that isn't an emotion. It's an action. That's true, but it's an action that comes out of an emotion. There's disbelief. There's confusion, shock, sadness, anger, humiliation, despair, guilt. Ultimately, there's some sort of acceptance. There's some sort of new beginning. But one of the most difficult aspects of grief is there's no real playbook. People think it should go quicker than it does. People think that it should be easier than it is. So this assumption, this idea that it should be easier than it is, coupled with the fact that not a lot of people talk about it. Nobody taught me how to grieve. Nobody taught my parents how to grieve. You know, My dad uh, was in his 50s when his wife passed, my mother, Nobody taught him how to grieve that. Nobody taught my brother and my sister. Nobody taught Marissa's parents how to grieve the loss of a child. And yeah, there are support groups and there are there is counseling. And obviously, I am all for them. But you have this, we we all tend to think it should go quicker than it does. We all tend to to think that we're doing it wrong. And then on top of that, we have no idea what it looks like to do it. We have a bunch of assumptions and they run a story in our head. And we have feelings that we don't think we should have, or we're not sure we, that we should have, or we're convinced, prove that there's something fundamentally wrong with us because we have them. And so we have to kind of step back from that. We have to just start with the place of, it's okay to allow yourself to grieve. It is okay to feel the pain. It is okay to cry. It is okay to be sad. Uh, we went out to dinner recently with Marissa's parents and her mom said, you know, I don't remember a lot of last summer. That's okay. That's normal. Most of the literature I read says it'll be twenty four to thirty six months till there's any semblance of normal. And sometimes when I talk to people like, well, that's discouraging for me and maybe you're like me, maybe you're like the people that find it discouraging, I find that encouraging because it gives me something it gives me some sort of time frame. Because it almost all the literature says, but there are variations. So I'm always like, okay, well, I'd get over it quicker. I obviously don't. Or it's longer, right? Allowing yourself to grieve is saying it's okay to be sad. It's okay to have painful feelings. It's okay to just say that grief is normal. It's a normal part of life. In fact, grief gives us perspective about the preciousness of life, about the... The the shortness of it, the I've, phrase I've talked about before in these episodes that if you hang out with me, I've talked about, the days are long, but man, the years are oh so short. I blinked and I have a teenager that's almost ready to graduate high school. And I have a newborn that's now six, that's not newborn when he's six, he'll be seven this year, and 14 and 13, and I have just all of a sudden turned around and I've been married 20 years. And life just keeps on flying. The sun goes down tonight and comes up tomorrow. And it's okay to grieve. It is okay to be sad. It is okay to feel pain. It's okay to have snot coming out of your nose because you're crying so hard. It's just a normal part of the process. So you have to allow yourself to mourn. And mourning is the outward expression of grief, it means not hiding your grief from other people. It means that you show it to other people. Whatever it takes, mourning is the critical process that can help you lessen the intensity of your grief because it moves it. I actually heard somebody talk this week about grief, how grief helps us move through the process of the pain that we're going through. He was talking about it in the context of like relationships, rebound relationships, dating. One of the most common things that we see as therapists is people get divorced and often, you know, their husband, their wife leaves them against their wishes. And and then they kind of come out with all these things that they, they knew were wrong in the relationship, but they don't give themselves time to process the grief to mourn. And they end up dating the same guy over again. I'm, I watch it all the time. They end up dating the same guy over again, the same woman over again, just different names. Or if they lose a loved one, a, a, a parent, a child, a sibling, a spouse, a really good friend, they, they because they're reminded of the preciousness of life, but they didn't allow themselves to grieve, they move themselves into busy and they force themselves into busy. And it doesn't actually help them process grief it's a false anesthesia. It anesthetizes them to the pain, but it doesn't actually help heal the pain. And so they have to engage the the grief process. We have to learn to engage the mourning process, which is allowing outward manifestations of our grief. It's allowing outward expressions of the pain that we feel. So what does it mean to grieve? What does it mean to uh, to, to experience grief and to mourn? I think first of all, We've talked about this part. You have to accept the grieving is normal. You have to allow yourself to grieve. How do we allow ourselves to grieve? Part of that is, is we don't deny it. You, you can't deny it. You have to admit it. You have to, you have to admit that it's there. This is part of that brutal acceptance that I talked about last week. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look up episode 50. Uh, so, so you have to accept that it's there. You have to accept that you're grieving. And then. Part of it is, is you have to really kind of just realize that there's different levels to that. First of all, there is the whole injustice of it all. I don't care if it was your grandma or grandpa who lived to be 105. If you were close to them and they died, that's a loss. And loss is grief, and grief is painful. And part of us feels there's an injustice to that. I think it's wired into our DNA. It's, it's there when we're born, and it grows as we grow. And we have to accept that there's an injustice to it. If you study the grief process, one of the stages is anger. And I believe that this is one of the contributing factors. There's an injustice to it. Certainly, if it's your spouse, if it's your child, if it's somebody who's young, air quotes around that, there's an injustice to it. There was an injustice to my friend dying last year. The truth is there was an injustice to my mom dying at 57. There's an injustice to death that we have to address. And part of our society, we've kind of embraced this eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die mentality, and it isn't working. It's actually biting us in the butt because there has to be more to life than just this running around the planet. And that's where the injustice comes from. And we feel that injustice, we're going to be angry. That's why it's part of the grief process. So we have to embrace that entire aspect of it, right? There's the whole five stages of grief that people talk about, the counselors, psychologists talk about, sometimes you'll hear seven. My problem with that is is they're not uh, lockstep, they're not consecutive, they're not sequential steps. And a lot of people, because that's how they're presented, that's how they feel. But the reality is a little bit of denial is is healthy. A little bit of denial helps you move through. It does numb the pain, but you can't deny it to the part where you pretend it didn't happen. And so sometimes there's just a denial where you just want to argue about it, you want to fight with it, the pain, you want to push back on the pain. And you have to accept it that the pain is there. You have to accept all that comes with it: anger, tears. Some days you'll be really good, and you might even feel guilty because you had a really good day, and you're like, it's too soon. Or there's something that, you, that that was your loved one's item and you don't want to move it. You don't want to put it away. It has no real use. Maybe there's shoes or perfume or a necklace or just anything. And you don't want to put it away and you'll feel guilty about that. Guilt is part of the grief process often. That's okay. Think about it if, if let's just say, I have a sibling or two siblings that are struggling with having children and I have four. I can grieve for them and I'll probably feel a little bit of guilt. And that's okay. Feeling guilt because of some fight that you remember having. I for a long time I remembered when my mom died for a long time there was an argument we had on the phone probably 2 years before and I remember like just with all sorts of guilt. Now, my mom knew I loved her. I knew she loved me, but there was this fight. It, it existed. And if I deny that, I'm in trouble. Because it's going to gnaw away at my insides. Which is another part that we have to accept. Faith, excuse me, grief can shake our faith. Grief can move your faith. It can rattle it. Whatever your faith is, when you experience grief, you can be tempted to abandon all of your normal moorings. You can be tempted to abandon all of your normal moral bearings, all of your normal moral moorings, you can be attempted to abandon them. And the moorings are the things that keep us anchored, right? You can be tempted to pull up anchor or worse, just cut the rope to the anchor and sail on because you're in pain. And we naturally want to discharge pain by just getting rid of it. And, and we have some good advice, good intention advice that's usually pretty bad, which is, well, you have to take care of yourself first. Yes, you do. I don't disagree with that, right? When you're on the plane and the little air max come down, they always tell you put yours on first and then help other people. But part of taking your care of yourself when you're in a grief process is keeping your eyes open for who else you can help when the time's appropriate. And so when, when you're first going through the grief, You don't have to do anything other than grief. Just work your way through it. But if all you do is allow your grief to turn your eyes inward, you're in trouble. So you want your grief to help you expand what you're looking out at. How do you help other people? Maybe not even related to your grief. Maybe there's somebody in your community that you know needs some clothes. And you have them in a bag that you were going to take to Goodwill. You give them to them. Something that simple. Maybe you just buy lunch for somebody at a restaurant without even telling them. Something that simple. But just looking for how you can help other people. How you can help mentor other people. Because one of the, one of the hard parts of life is that if you look at a person's life, there's almost always some aspect of grief coloring their life. When we first started this podcast, I was talking about the more severe aspects of how grief colors our life the loss of loved ones, the loss of close friends. But often there's grief from a variety of ways. uh, Excuse me, a variety of ways. About 14, 15 months ago, we had to put my dog down. I wept like a baby. Now, is that the same grief as losing my friend? Absolutely not. But man, it was still painful. It wasn't the same kind of pain, wasn't the same depth of pain, but it was still painful. And so part of accepting that grief is part of the process, part of allowing ourselves to mourn is to understand that that grief is, is an inconsistent constant. It will come with waves of pain, and you won't even know why. You might just be sitting at your desk. And suddenly you want to cry. There will be times I will literally be just driving down the road and I will still get misty-eyed or want to cry thinking about my mom. And so I need to turn that pain and allow it to cause me to look outward a little bit. Allow it to cause me to bring my eyes up and look around me to see how other, where other people are. Not for the purpose of comparative grief. I've talked about that before. A, I hate it and B, it doesn't work but to look around me for other people that I can help because one of the ways that we can deal with grief is we bring meaning into our own lives because death in and of itself seems so meaningless especially the younger we go right with my mom I can look at him and say you know what she touched a lot of lives she she ministered to a lot of people she was sw- one of the sweetest women you'd ever meet she was kind to all the kids i mean when they what I, I remember when, when we drove from the church to the to the gravesite like they had to shut down red lights and portions of traffic to get everybody through so she had there was meaning but there wasn't any meaning in her death it was a comedy of errors by the doctors and a disease that like one in a gazillion people get and so there wasn't a lot of meaning in that but as i turn that pain and that grief to look outward I can find meaning. So I can sit with people. And you know what? One of the things I learned is that the people who were most helpful and beneficial to me when I was grieving, they didn't say anything. So I've learned when I go sit with people, I don't say anything. I just sit there, tell them I'm sorry. And then we sit in silence and it's uncomfortable and it feels awkward, but I keep my lips together and no words come out. Which brings me to one of the hardest processes in grief. There's no timeline. And nothing will ever be the same again. There's no timeline and nothing will ever be the same again. So let's deal with the no timeline first. A lot of times when I talk to people, you know, they'll think they're doing well, especially like in the first two to three years. They they think they're doing well. Maybe they went and got counseling and they're processing through. And then something happens and they just they find two, three, four, five days in a row where they're just, they're just a mess. They're like, oh man, I'm regressing. I'm going backwards. No, you're not. Because there's no timeline for you to regress on. There's no process for you to regress on. It, it's not a timeline of A to B to C to D to E. That's actually really normal. That you're, you're moving along and everything seems okay. And you remember the loved one. You remember them fondly and everything's fine. And then there's one or two or three or 10 or 15 days where you're just bawling, And it's not no... Or maybe it's three hours or 30 minutes whatever it is, there's no timeline to it. And that's okay. You're not a machine, right? I have literally 10 feet from me while I'm talking here is a motorcycle. That's a machine. You put gasoline in the tank. It explodes with the spark plug that creates energy. The energy turns everything and the wheels go or the back wheel goes and that causes the front wheel to go. I guess that's a machine. What goes in causes a delineated process to follow that's not humans. That's not us. You're not a machine. There's not some timeline where you have to follow through on grief. And sometimes I meet people and they're sad. And they're like, I just shouldn't be this sad. Well, this is a really subjective measuring stick. What does this sad mean? Like who gets to determine that? Is that written somewhere? And I didn't know it. There's no timeline. There's no four steps and you're over grief because, and this is the second part of what I said. Nothing will ever be the same again. And because nothing will ever be the same again, you never know when you're going to be reminded of your loss. In a year, so many things have changed around our office. Uh, One of the things that changed, my wife was like, wow, Marissa wouldn't even know this part of our business. And that brought up a whole wave of grief. There's a new normal. There's a new process to our life. There's new things going on. There's exciting things going on. Life does move on, but it's not the same. My dad remarried, found a, a woman who's a great match for him. We get along, but it's not the same. Her husband died. I imagine you could say the same thing for them. Whatever it is you're grieving, your life won't be the same. I think of my friends who who their sibling lost a baby you, you'll grieve, you'll move on life, but your your life will not be the same. A, that's okay. But B, you have to accept that because that differentness, that difference is what will create pain. One of the best illustrations I heard, in fact, Marissa's mom found it very helpful uh, when, when it was told to her, not by me, but by someone else. If you think of a, a wooden box with a ball in it, and there's a button that every time it gets pushed, there's pain. When you first experience the loss, the thing that you're grieving, the, the ball or, or the rock in inside the wooden box is big. It's almost as big as the box. So it hits the button a lot. Right? Pain, 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 pain. Over time, the size of the ball, the size of the rocks gets smaller. But still, every time it hits the button, you feel the same intensity of pain, maybe for a different duration, maybe not as long, sometimes longer than you would think. And there it is because nothing is the same. Nothing. My mom was supposed to meet my kids and she never did. My kids were supposed to meet my mom and they never will. Not here on earth at least. So as that happens, I have to embrace the fact That nothing's the same. There may not be a timeline or a process to grief. There isn't, oh, I'm regressing, I'm going forward, I'm going back. Because there's no timeline to it. But there's also a very real and deep sense of nothing is the way it was or it was supposed to be. Which kind of brings me to my last point. Part of allowing yourself to grieve is just allowing yourself to feel the pain. Whatever happens, happens. You embrace that pain Uh, As much as possible, you live through it, you endure it, You, you can suffer, I can suffer, and we're okay, we can be in pain until we allow our pain to drive us to hurt other people. That's never okay. This is why it's so important, I think, to get professional help, to join support groups, to talk to professional counselors, because most people, not everyone, but most people who don't deal with their pain by processing it, end up hurting other people. And one of the dangers is we're, because we just want to discharge the pain, we don't give ourselves time to move through it. And because there isn't a timeline, that becomes even more uh, disheartening, which is why a lot of times, especially when we're talking about death of loved ones, depression is a common thing because that pain goes longer than we thought it would even though we had no real basis for how long we thought it should go that pain there doesn't seem to be a way to solve the pain and so we get stuck living in it and that creates discomfort that creates uh more discomfort that creates more problem solving loops and we end up in depression because we we just don't know what to do so we hurt people that we don't intend to hurt We do things that we don't intend to do. We hurt ourselves, and now we're in depression. And that's why it's really important to reach out and talk to somebody. Join a support group. Talk to a counselor. Okay, so that is today's episode. Uh, I'd like to dedicate this to Marissa. We love you, and we miss you. Uh, If you are experiencing grief, please know that you're not alone. Please know that you don't even have to be alone in processing your grief. If you live local and you need a counselor, come call our office. Write me. Let me know. I'd love to dialogue with you about it. If you don't live local, you can still write me, but go find a counselor in your area. Send me your zip code. I'll try to help. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time.